I'm not going to lie. I usually tickle Swallowtail Lava when I see them. <laughs> Swallowtail Tickler. <laughs> Nomadic cowbirds and poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh steamy scat filled with persimmon seeds. Hello, I'm from the Great Plains Nature Center. You're listening to That's My Favorite. My name is Nicole. And we have, we have Alicia here. Hey, and we're just going to geek out for a little bit. I hope you guys are excited. <laughs> we are both bug nerds and today we'll be talking about bugs and in particular, dangerous bugs. <laughs> so we'll see if we can keep this at a reasonable length, but just bear with us if we go down some rabbit holes because it's bound to happen. They're prairie duck holes. They're prairie duck tunnels. Yeah, just prairie dog, I don't even know, towns, just entire towns of... Where we can find insects! (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. There's a lot of insects that rely on prairie dogs. Listen to Best Dog is if you want to learn more, because I talk about prairie dogs for an hour with Rachel. So, anyways, bugs. Bugs are cool. What is a bug? A bug can be an insect, or it can be something else. All the ones that I picked out were insects. I don't know about you. Oh, yes. Definitely insects. Okay, okay. So we're talking about insects in particular. So six legs, three body parts, yada, yada, yada. Fun stuff. Um, And when we talk about dangerous bugs, there's certainly a lot to talk about. And there's one right now that is in the news quite heavily. Um, The Asian giant giant hornet, otherwise known as the murder Murder hornet. hornet. (laughs) Yeah, so we're just going to get that out of the way. I don't want to talk about it too much, but I did do a little bit of research on it. Feel free to pipe in if you know anything Mm -hmm. else that I did not cover. Um, You're very thorough. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, So yeah, the murder hornet, I'm going to call it the Asian giant hornet because that's its official common name. Yeah, that's the official common name. And here at the Nature Center, we are not about, you know... Sensationalizing. Just making things more dramatic than they need to be. Because they're already dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, like, this guy's already cool. We don't need to, you know... Yeah, it's fine. Anyways. So let's talk about these these (laughs) giant Asian hornets. Let's talk about these cool chicks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so they are big. They are, they are very big. I actually don't know how big because literally every single website that I looked at said it was, one said it was like an inch and a half. One said it was like over two inches. So somewhere in there, I don't know. I've seen a lot of variation too, but they are, they are definitely at least over an inch. So they are a very large wasp. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they are the largest hornet in the world. So they are impressive, but we don't need to be scared of them. They pretty much only attack bees and in particular they will attack ground nesting bees and honeybees so isn't that like all bees then practically you've got i mean (laughs) (laughs) anyways they mostly attack honeybees and in asia they are attacking asian honeybees and the asian honeybees are really good at defending themselves they know that this asian hornet exists and they will like swarm the hornet when it comes to their hive and like beat their wings really fast and like suffocate it which is 
super metal now, and do amazing. They, do they actually suffocate it or do they do the, I've seen where they raise body temperature too. Yeah. So are mm-hmm. they actually doing that or is it a combination of both? I think it's both. Okay. Um, the, the papers that I were reading, it says that the internal temperature gets super, super mm-hmm. high, but they're also just literally like suffocating it because it's so hot. They, they're taking out all of the oxygen from like oh, inside of that mass. So they're yeah. actually, it is a smothering effect mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Yeah. Cause I knew about the temperature. Super cool. So the Asian honeybees do that, but our honeybees that we have here in the U.S. are the European honeybees, and they've never encountered anything quite like the Asian giant hornet. So our honeybees are probably in some kind of a threat um, right now. I believe that the the Asian giant hornet has only really been found in Washington state. So it's nowhere near Kansas. And a lot of the U.S. is probably safe from these guys just because of their climate. They really like tropical and subtropical climates. Um, so a lot of the U.S. is totally outside their range, even if they do end up expanding further past Washington. So for the most part, we don't have anything to fear. Our honeybees might be a little bit in danger and things like uh, bumblebees as well, since they do nest in large colonies um, that could potentially attract Asian giant hornets. But because yeah, that's typically what my understanding from when I was reading mm-hmm. was they go after all of these colonial bees. They don't really, yes. the solitary ones, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing fine. Yeah, because they want as much food as possible. So if they can take over a hive and have all these lovely little baby bees to eat on, that is their optimal, you know, goal. Harsh, but (laughs) yes, extremely effective. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, they're not really a threat to humans. Um, I've seen anywhere from like, you need dozens of hornets swarming you before you know, you're in danger of dying. But just like a bee sting, if you're allergic to it, that's kind of where you might come into some trouble. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, leave it alone. If you see one, just leave it alone. Yep. (laughs) Pretty much. If you see it, just call and call your authorities and let them them decide the appropriate measures that need to be taken. Yeah, definitely. If you're listening to this and you're anywhere near Washington State, keep a lookout and tell someone if you see one so that we know, you know, how they are expanding. Yeah, definitely take pictures. Don't just say, I saw an Asian hornet. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we do have hornets here in Kansas or all over the U.S. And, you know, they all kind of look the same. So take a picture if you can safely and report Mm -hmm. it. Or specifically if you're in Washington and you do think you see one, take a picture and run. (laughs) yes 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 perfect perfect (laughs) but now that we got that out of the way i wanted to dive a little bit into some other dangerous bugs i want to go first hope you're okay with that please go first (laughs) so dun 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 this first insect lives in kansas it's bright red it's fuzzy it's very cute do you know what i'm talking about it's fuzzy it's very fuzzy i can think of multiple things that are bright red and bright red always means danger because it's aposomatic coloration <laughs> yes but fuzzy very very fuzzy what is fuzzy? about an inch long what <gasps> no <laughs> i know what you're talking about what is it are you talking about velvet ants yeah i love them <laughs> they're fantastic I love them too. So I am super excited to hear you talk about them. Good. And just in case you weren't aware, we are we kind of kept these secret from each other just to make it more fun for each other while we're doing this. So this is like a good guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yeah, velvet ants. There are several different species in Kansas and there's like dozens throughout the world. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of everywhere. And 
surprise, surprise, they are not an ant. <laughs> Even though they're called velvet ants. They are a species of wasp. The females are completely flightless. The males do have fairly small wings that they usually can fly with, though there are some species um, that have very vestigial wings that they cannot fly with. Um, so it just depends on the species. But I kind of wanted to talk specifically about the red velvet ant, aka the cow killer, which is another very dramatic name. That does not at all <laughs> reflect what this wasp does. No, it no. does not. So velvet ants, I just love them. They're beautiful. Look up some pictures of them. They they can be a lot of different colors. They can be red and orange and yellow. And there's white ones that live in like southwestern U.S. in the desert because like deserts aren't red usually. They're like white and tan. So the velvet ants are white and tan to blend in. So, so they're blending in instead of instead of advertising mm -hmm. their toxicity. This is interesting. Yeah. And I went on a rabbit hole with these guys. But since we're talking about their colors, I'll go real quick. There are actually some that mimic like hornets. And there's some tiger beetles that have very similar coloration to velvet ants. So there's a lot of like mimicry and other things going on with these velvet ants. It's really, really cool. And they can have some pretty cool like patternings on them. But we won't go too far into that because I do want to talk about that a little bit later with my second animal that I want to talk about. So we'll circle back to yeah, that. We will circle back. Have no fear. But anyways, these guys are super, super cute. I love them. They do stridulate, aka buzz, if you like touch them, which yes. I don't recommend because they do have a very, very large stinger. Mm -hmm. um, of course, only the females have stingers because it is a modified ovipositor, um, which is what they use to lay their eggs. And those, those are the ones that are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't not mention it. Like, well, I mean, it's really cool. That's the whole point of wasps, I think, is there's mm -hmm. a lot of fear involved in that whole family. Even. Oh, yeah. Because, yes, granted, you know, with your, they're one of those, yeah, you social insects. So you get a lot of skewed sex ratio. So yes. you get a lot more females to males. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, only your females can hurt you yes. because of what a stinger is. Yes. It's a modified overpositor. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. I love it. And you can even see like things like katydids have super long ovipositors. So if you yes. have, if you pick up a katydid and it's an adult, uh, you can very easily tell if it's a male or a female because if it has a big long thing coming off its abdomen that kind of looks like a stinger, then it's a female because that's her ovipositor that she's using to lay her eggs. So super cool. So the stingers on these velvet ants, again, I've seen a lot of variation in how long it is, but I watched some videos and it's easily as long as their abdomen so half an inch if not a little bit more depending on the species so that is a very very long stinger that can easily get through your clothes or whatever else so it's again just really best to leave them alone and just let them do their thing but that stinger their venom is very unique compared to a lot of other venom in other animals so usually when an animal has venom it's to either kill or it's to incapacitate. So make it so that animal is not moving anymore. And if it's to incapacitate like a tarantula hawk, mm -hmm. they will go after tarantulas, sting them and mm -hmm. take it underground. And it's, it's alive, but it's not moving anymore mm -hmm. so that its babies can eat its body. Super cool. But that venom has a very mm -hmm. specific purpose. In velvet ants, it's not to kill and it's not to incapacitate. It's literally just to cause as much pain as possible. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of studies on this. That's 
literally all we can find is that it's just there to make as much pain as possible. And they are like top five most painful bugs in the entire mm-hmm. world. So That's true. just don't mess with them. <laughs> they will hurt you. Now, I have to ask because I was looking this up too and wasps, generally speaking, there was some question going around about their venom because they... Anything in Hymenoptera, ants, wasps, bees, they all have a venom that is a very big cocktail mix. Yeah. So we, we have a little bit better understanding about what goes into bee venom than we do into wasp venom. But generally speaking, they had a so they have a neurotransmitter that actually it helps to stimulate the pain receptors. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, that neurotransmitter, we we create it in our own bodies as humans, uh, naturally. It's made to, it's for like nerve, muscle, that kind of, mm-hmm. that's, that's a real purpose. But if you think about that and then tying it into pain and then specifically you have venom that uses that, it does sound like that's the main reason is just to up the pain level more so than incapacitate which typically when you think about rattlesnakes or other things that's Mm -hmm. usually the first reason that we have venom but if you're just trying to make yourself as big of a deterrent yeah especially for other animals that would learn not necessarily that you taste bad but that it hurts there's a painful repercussion yes That is that is interesting. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is kind of the whole point of either being brightly colored or, you know, tasting bad or whatever. If you think about things that taste bad, usually that animal has been sacrificed. But the population as a whole now is being protected because that bird is never going to eat another monarch or, you know, that coyote will never ever mess with the velvet ant again because the last time it did, it got stung. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's for the betterment of the entire, you know, population kind of, I mean, they don't actually have altruistic behaviors, but it is beneficial to be brightly colored or to cause a lot of pain or taste bad. And, and that's the reason why. But to follow down that rabbit hole of self-sacrifice, that's why you mm-hmm. have honeybees. I mean, yes. they actually do lose. It's a give and a take. They lose yeah. that and they do die once they sting you because that actually gets ripped off of them. <laughs> but it stays in you and it keeps injecting venom. And then, of course, the wonderful thing that happens with pheromones being mm-hmm. given off that signal to everybody else. This is, I have I have done my deed. I have alerted the colony. My death was not in vain. Yes. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, versus versus velvet ants, which can sting you repeatedly. Yep, yep. Yeah, if you just hold on to it, it's going to keep stinging you. <laughs> and it's going to keep hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, just don't mess with them. And these guys are super, super common throughout Kansas and throughout most of the United States. You can find them especially in plowed fields and areas with sandy soil where ground nesting bees and wasps, which are their favorite prey, are going to also be hanging out because it's easy to dig there. So these guys do parasitize other wasps and ground nesting bees. So they will go after bumblebees as well, which I did not know. I assumed that they mostly parasitized other wasps, but they will go after bumblebees poor little guys they actually i think one of the wasps they go after is is one of the ones i picked because Ooh. i love yeah they go after cicada killers too mm. cicada killers are real cool i love them <laughs> <laughs> if you do happen to get stung by one of these you can expect really really horrible pain that lasts about 30 minutes so it's not even like ooh, ow that hurt and then it's done 
it is a full 30 minutes of just horrible, horrible pain. So, yeah, just leave them alone. And I have seen people handle them before and they did not get stung. I'm not willing to take that gamble. I'm kind of a wuss when it comes to pain. And it's not like I'm gaining anything by handling it. I don't enjoy pain. Yeah. So I, I yeah. don't see the point. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, yeah. I, 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 it's not worth it to me at all. I think that's it. That's it? Yeah. Pretty short. My other one's going to be long. That's short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I should talk about cicada killers now because Please. they are so, so awesome. Full disclosure, wasps in general are one of my favorite things. I love wasps. Yes. So cicada killers are probably, if you're wanting something that screams danger bug, <laughs> in Kansas, that, that screams danger bug to most people because it yes. is this giant wasp that's actually relatively very what's the term i'm looking for spooky they are docile they're fairly laid back okay they are a very docile they're they're a fairly gentle wasp you you really have to manhandle them a lot to get them to do things more so than just catching them in your hand sometimes you really have to catch them and do a lot to them Mm -hmm. to make them aggressive enough to want to sting you which again is just the females Mm -hmm. because the females are doing all of the work so the females are actually the larger ones they take a lot more energy it takes a lot to produce venom on top of everything else Mm -hmm. so they're bigger than the males there's but the coloration is the same on both of them so there's not a lot of difference in that but cicada killers are this giant wasp they are yeah they're like over an inch long they're big (laughs) They're They're very big wasps. Yeah. And they're very brightly colored, too. So they Mm. have mainly a dark black. They've got striping on their abdomen, which is uh, yellow. And then they also have their eyes are red. Their legs tend to be kind of an orangey red color. Their wings are this beautiful amber Mm -hmm. tone. So they have all of that black, red, orange, yellow, aposematic coloration that says, I am very dangerous. Stay away from me. Mm-hmm. which does a lot that does most of their job for them their size and their color Definitely. so most people leave them alone which works very well there's called cicada killers because that's what they do they don't chase after people they don't they don't kill cows or anything <laughs> they parasitize nothing they just hunt cicadas so they kill cicadas to feed to their young The females, what they do, and sometimes you can find them in dry, sandy soil, mostly as long as there's a very sunny spot. That's what I found, Mm -hmm. where they like to build their burrows because they dig underground. So they don't build paper nests. They don't build mud nests. Mm -hmm. They don't build hives. They build underground burrows. So she digs, and she's actually got her – she's got some tarsi in the back that are specialized to help her dig because she has to grab dirt with her mouth and then move (laughs) it underneath and behind her. It's a very exhausting thing to be digging these burrows because they can go like 10, 12 inches underground. Yeah. They go deep. Yeah. And for the uninitiated, tarsi are essentially like toes. So. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) So anyway, yes. They little toesies. Oh, gosh. Now I'm thinking about that. That's adorable. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. It is. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do I think about it like that? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That just made them even cuter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they built. So they dig these burrows. 
and then they provision them with cicadas. It could be anything from one cicada to multiple cicadas, and it, they don't seem to be picky about the species either, mm -hmm. as long as it's some type of cicada. <laughs> so again, the stinging, like you mentioned, it's to incapacitate, in this case, their prey. So they do what a lot of other wasps, if they are um, stinging prey and using them to provision, they actually are paralyzing them, and then mm -hmm. they're getting eaten alive, which is... That's a whole nother ball game right there. <laughs> yeah. But they will drag these down and it's, it's hard because they go to the cicada, they catch it, they sting it, and then they have this thing that is bigger than them frequently that they have yeah. to somehow lug back. What I found mostly is that she will try and, once she's stung a cicada, try and drag it up actually yeah. to a higher point and then fly off from there so she can kind of like, like control <laughs> so so control fall because this oh thing it weighs so much control fall back and back to where her burrow is That's and then amazing. drag the whole thing down it is amazing <laughs> but wasps like a lot of them they can actually control they can decide whether they're going to have a girl or a boy so if it's very plentiful if there's a lot of cicadas if she found she bagged the really big one <laughs> She'll probably lay an egg on it that's going to that's gonna turn into a female when it hatches. Mm -hmm. So they can do multiple cells. So they'll dig little like offshoot cells off of that main tunnel and then do all that. And those larvae, they hatch out, they eat, they overwinter. The adults, unfortunately, don't overwinter. So the one year is all we get. Yeah. But they do time it. What's interesting is they time pupating and coming out of their burrows with springtime so that they're ready to the adult wasps are emerging at the same time the cicadas mm -hmm. are emerging yeah so there is a little bit of temperature play in there as well definitely yeah and i think mm -hmm. maybe that's not something that people think about too much when they think about insects and bugs is usually the adults don't overwinter and the reason why we have adults in the spring is because they overwintered as pupa um so yeah I, I always, yeah. I feel like that kind of blows people's minds. Like, where are the butterflies coming from? Didn't they all die in the winter? I'm like, they sure did. These are their babies. <laughs> and that's that's why people are fascinated with things like monarchs, because migrating the adults surviving over a winter, yeah. it, with insects, it's very, very rare. Mm -hmm. You don't get that with very many species at all. Absolutely. So they yeah. have to count. They put literally all their eggs in a basket for next year. Yeah. And monarchs are especially weird because it's only the winter generation that lives longer than like a month and a half. All of the generations that are migrating north and south, they live like a month. And the super generation in the winter can live like five, six, seven months, which is ridiculous. That doesn't happen in, I don't think, any other bug that I know of. No, it doesn't. So, I, yeah. I, I think there's, because most of them, if they're going to be doing that, they have a long enough lifespan that you may get like one or two generations or like that's yeah. how the whole thing is timed is that adult generation survives that long. So yeah, it's, yeah. Speaking of aprismat coloration, monarchs have aprismat coloration because mm -hmm. they are a danger bug also. They are. Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to cicada killers. Unless you want to say something. Go say I want to say one last really quick thing about monarchs. Um, <laughs> monarchs are poisonous, mildly poisonous. They just kind of taste bad. I was always taught growing up that viceroys were mimicking monarchs because monarchs are poisonous and viceroys are not, but that's not true. No, it's not. Viceroys are also poisonous. So it's, if a bird has an experience with a monarch or a viceroy, it's going to have a bad experience and it kind of helps both species. So super it's cool. What? 
but Batesian? that is yeah yeah Batesian. Yeah, mimicry. So there's Batesian. I've heard Batsian too. So I'm not sure. I think that might be right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The one the one with the B, mimicry <laughs> is when both are danger bugs. Mullerian is when only one is a danger bug. Fun mm-hmm. facts for you. There's different kinds of mimicry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Cicada killers. Yeah, I've heard everything from like an inch, inch and a half up to two inches on size for cicada killers. So I'm not really. Yeah. And there's pro- it, there probably is a lot of size variation between individuals. So yeah, there there is because I've seen them very very small. I've seen mm-hmm. them large, and this goes for the males and the females. I've yeah. caught I've caught very small females. That I'm like, are you really a cicada killer? <laughs> so yeah. if you do have size variation, it may be a really small female, or it may be a male. But I wouldn't recommend catching them just to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best. No, that, that's, a, that's a great way to uh, familiarize yourself a little bit more intimately with a danger bug than you probably wanted to do. Yeah. And so the velvet ants, like their, their stinger kind of, like you can barely see it when they're just crawling around. But like if you look up a video of someone harassing one, not that I recommend doing it, but if it's already been done, might as well watch a video of it. You can see that they kind of just like shoot that thing out of there. And it's, it's at least a half inch long. It's huge. Do cicada killers kind of do something similar where they're, it's kind of like hidden in there or is what you see, what you got? It's a little bit, I don't think it's near to the extreme that the, those velvet ants are. Okay. It's most, most of what you see is what you get. They have mm-hmm. a build that's more similar almost reminiscent of like a hornet they are very robust mm-hmm. uh wasp they're not like a thread wasted at all so yeah. okay. pretty much what you got but yes your <laughs> velvet ants that you mentioned they do like to they do like to they are parasitoids on mm-hmm. on cicada killers which i don't like it because i like my cicada, my cicada killers and anybody i i do have i do have one friend that she finds she finds cicadas incessantly annoying they're droning in the summer so she is very happy to have those wasps in her yard Mm -hmm. eating part of her cicada population to at least make it a little bit quieter (laughs) harsh but it is harsh but (laughs) at the same time i applaud the fact that she Mm -hmm. is happy to have have that Mm -hmm. um but yes they they do what they do is actually and it's it's not even like you find a nick newman wasp or bracken or anything where you where they actually will lay an egg inside or on the larvae no Mm -hmm. what they do is they find the burrow these velvet ants find a cicada (laughs) killer burrow they lay the egg like just inside yeah so this larvae that has matured it's eaten all its cicadas it's ready to pupate Mm -hmm. it's very (laughs) it pupates it starts to crawl out of the burrow and then your yes your velvet ant larva latches onto it (laughs) it's not fair Life isn't fair, I know, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, why go for, like, a little tiny little jelly bean wasp when you can get mm-hmm. a big old mama wasp exactly. for food? I'm just saying. No, it is, it is, it is an <laughs> elegant solution, mm-hmm. as, I, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, that, that, is, that is my absolute favorite wasp that you can find in Kansas mm-hmm. because they are just... They're just so industrious. They're hardworking, mm-hmm. which... Most insects are. They have they have a next generation to make, but mm-hmm. they're also brightly colored and big. And yeah. most people are freaked out by them, but they're so busy trying to 
catch cicadas that I've, I've watched them fly like within a foot of me and they, they really do not care that I'm yeah. there. They're just a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think velvet ants are probably my favorite wasp. Mm-hmm. Just they're so cute mm-hmm. and they're so, like they're fast. They are extraordinarily fast. Yeah. They're, they're almost like tiger beetle fast. They just, Okay, yeah, That's I know. a little bit of an exaggeration. I'm reaching a little bit because tiger but beetles are like... The like fastest the, insect? They're like the flash, practically. You can't... Yeah. <laughs> the greatest joy is being able to actually catch one because... Right, right. They're stupid fast. But anyway, they are very, very fast. Mm-hmm. And they're just like on speed all the time, running everywhere. They gotta find some little mm-hmm. other wasps to parasitize. They're busy. Well, okay. yeah, and they're on the ground. I <laughs> yeah. mean, they can't they can't fly to get mm-hmm. a better view. They have to be on the ground, so they yep. have to move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One website that I was reading stuff about the uh, the ants on was like, they're not that fast. And I was like, what are you using for comparison? Like, I mean, compared to like a human, sure, but like they're fast. I don't know what they're talking. I've tried to get film footage of one where you just have your phone and you're following it around. It's like, Uh stop moving. I can't. (laughs) I can't crawl this fast. Right, right. No, yeah. They're super fun. And I think they just have, like, they're very unique for a wasp. Mm -hmm. And they're fuzzy. They're so fuzzy. (laughs) I love them. They are cool. Anything else about uh, your waspy? Yeah. I can't really really think of much else. Okay. I mean, besides just geeking out over their form and the fact that in their life cycle, everything more and mm-hmm. more because their their venom it's pretty typical of most wasp venom with their cocktail of peptides and enzymes, proteins, and other smaller molecules. So it all of this goes into a very small dosage of venom, mm. and that's what makes it, I think, difficult also to kind of try and find a one cure all for it. Because yeah. you have such small percentages of multitude of ingredients that something is always going to be. Mm-hmm. For example, like that neurotransmitter that stimulates pain receptors, you have certain certain enzymes and histamines and acetylcholine compounds. And yeah, wasp venom is just, it's such a cool thing. Yeah, it, it really is. is. But enough about wasps. Okay. Unless you've got another wasp. I do not. <gasps> I have something different. What is your danger bug, Nicole? My danger bug is a fake danger bug. <laughs> what? No! You, you can't have a fake danger bug. Yes, I can. What? How do you have... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around a fake danger... What do you mean by fake? <laughs> is it a bug? It is a bug. It's an insect. Okay. So it's an insect. So we've talked about this a little bit. It's very common... For bugs to be brightly colored to warn off predators, but there's also lots of mimics out there that are just pretending to be dangerous, but they're oh. actually not. And there's a lot of different examples of this all throughout the world. If you go out like in your garden, you can probably find flies that look like bees or, you know, even some moths that look like wasps or hornets. So very, very not dangerous bugs looking like something very dangerous mm-hmm. but there's some lesser known examples of mimicry that i think are really cool and in particular that of swallowtail butterflies 
Yes! <laughs> I am so glad you picked Swallowtails. <laughs> and there's a lot of different Swallowtails that do a lot of really, really cool things. I wanted to talk about two species in particular. So there's this one called, and uh, Swallowtails in general are called papillons, which mm-hmm. is also, I think, French for butterfly. Yes. So Papillon. Papillon. So the Pileopoloides is the first one that I want to talk about. It's called the Common Mormon Swallowtail. It lives in Southeast Asia and Japan. And they have female-specific mimicry. So pretty much all of the males look the same. They look like a typical butterfly of that species. But the females can look like males of their own species. But then they can also look like um, a poisonous swallowtail as well. So this particular species is not poisonous, but they can mimic, only the females can mimic another species that is poisonous, which does not have a common name. So I'm not going to go like too crazy into it. Wait, so only the females can do the mimicry, though? Only the females can do the mimicry. What? It's really weird. Oh, that is is so cool. Yeah, this is actually really, really common in swallowtail butterflies, and nobody really knows why. Like, there's a lot of study on this, but so far it's just kind of like, we don't really know. (laughs) They do what they do. They do what they do. (laughs) And... Not only does this um, Papiliopoloides look like this other distasteful species, the the only the females that look like the distasteful species will actually fly differently and fly like that distasteful species. It changes how it flies so that the mimicry is like almost foolproof. Wow! So they actually do a behavioral mimicry in addition mimicry. to mm-hmm. the coloration. Ch- Yeah. Oh, that is wicked. Yeah, but it's not just the female, you know, Mormon swallowtails Mm -hmm. fly differently. It's only the female swallowtails that also look like that other poisonous species. Wow. Which is bizarre. And, like, I feel like pretty rare, especially in the insect world. Like, it's easy enough for, say, like an octopus to, like, move like a crab so it looks scary. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it looks like a rock so then you think it's a rock. But for an insect... To do both, because yeah. if you have any behavioral mimicry, it's something that's fairly ingrained. It's almost like a just reflexive response yeah. to an environmental stimulus. Mm-hmm. But to actively do that mimic, that is... It's bizarre. It's super cool. That is so cool. <laughs> but there's another one that does it even better. So there's another swallowtail butterfly called the mocker swallowtail. It's Papilio dardanus, and it lives in Africa. Mm. It is also only the females that do mimicry. And I don't believe that they have any behavioral mimicry, but it's not just one other species that they can sometimes look like. There's 14 different morphs or varieties of the female of this one species of butterfly. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? (laughs) 14 different distinct morphs that we know of. There might be more. So how do how do we even know that it's this that it's the swallowtail that is mimicking if mm-hmm. it does up to fourteen? How do we know it's even the same species? Please tell me there's DNA sequencing. <laughs> there is. There's oh a lot of gosh. there's a lot of DNA like backing up, especially this species. Oh it's my goodness! Wild. And in both of these species, it's only one gene that's controlling all of this mimicry. So if it is dominant, if it is, you know, break out your Punnett squares. If it's big H, little H, 
dominant or Ray big Sasa. H, big H, mm-hmm. it will be a mimic. If it's little H, little H, then it will not be a mimic. And it's one gene that's controlling all of this. And there's, there's, I didn't really go into it because I'm not a geneticist, but some of the papers that I was looking at, they, they're not quite sure if it's like a super gene where it's like a bunch of different alleles all kind of working together. But then they also found that, you know, having three of one of the alleles made it just look completely different. Just one of the alleles. Like it's, they're not quite sure exactly how that gene works, but it all, it is like a group of alleles in one gene that controls whether or not that female is going to be a mimic. And if the males have the dominant version of the gene, it doesn't make a difference to their, um, it doesn't make a difference to how they look. It's super cool. So it doesn't matter if the males actually have that dominant gene Mm -hmm. or any of that because it doesn't, does it just not turn on then? Or are they having a way of expressing that I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. Hmm. But yeah, it doesn't matter if it's dominant or recessive when it's in the males. It's only the females that will change how they look, depending on what that one gene is doing. Super cool. Crazy. And I found this, this uh, British entomologist, E.B. Poulton. He described it as the most interesting butterfly in the world. And I'll have to agree because it's wild. I, I will say that has successfully blown my mind. So that is probably the most interesting butterfly in the world that I have ever heard of. It's super cool. That and one other really, really cool thing, at least to me, was that even though a lot of the morphs are looking like uh, other known species of butterflies that are poisonous, there's also a bunch of morphs that don't look like any butterfly that we know of. So it could be that they're just going hog wild and just making up new color morphs just for fun. Or maybe it's an extinct butterfly that at one point they did co-evolve with and learn to mimic and now it's gone. And we only have, you know, this butterfly to show that those ever existed. Oh my God, it just got 10 times cooler. I know. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's so weird. Oh, yeah, because we actually, there's really no way of knowing. Yeah. There's just no way to know. Oh. Or maybe those butterflies exist and we just haven't found them. Maybe, you know, the um, mocker swallowtail has experience with them, but we just haven't seen them yet. Or we're just like, oh, it's just another weird mocker. Don't, don't, we don't need to take that back to the lab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's impossible to say. More research is needed. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Like I said, those genetic studies have found that it is, in fact, that one species of butterfly. It's not like hybrids or anything like that between two species of butterflies. Like it is that butterfly making distinct morphs. And these morphs can be all sorts of different colors. They can like they kind of describe it as like background colors. So it can be like yellow, orange, red, uh, white and kind of mixtures of all those colors. So it's not just like an all red butterfly it'll have like yellow on its fore wings and orange on its hind wing and then the patterns on top are black and those patterns can change as well so it's really cool so does it stay at least consistent or is it something like a pearl crescent where the patterning can sort of vary a little bit there is a little bit of a variation on the patterning but like it's it's it is distinctive between okay. the different morphs but there is there's a natural variation absolutely i mean 
you can take two monarchs and they probably won't look exactly the same if you look at them close well, enough. Not exactly under a microscope, <laughs> but you, you know what saying. I mean. The basic lines yeah. and mm-hmm. the shape is going to be the same. So. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super Very cool. cool. Super cool. Yeah. I love them. They're so cool. <laughs> and if you want to learn more, I learned a lot. I got a lot of this stuff from a paper by H. Frederick Niehaut from Duke University. And it's called Polymorphic Mimicry in Papiliodidinus. And it's really good. It's really good. And he has really, really good pictures of, like, not all of the different morphs, but I think, like, seven or eight of them. Mm. So, I'm just saying. It's a good paper. It's a <laughs> little... nothing else, go yeah, look at the pictures. Yeah, just look at the pictures. It's worth it just for the pictures. It's pretty wordy. He does go in depth on some of the gene stuff that I just kind of glossed over. So, don't don't be too scared if you don't, you know, know what's going on in that paper. Because I didn't either. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is that it's a really cool paper and i'm so glad that somebody's doing studies on this yes yes because this is amazing mm-hmm. and one last swallowtail i know i'm cheating yes. and i just did all swallowtails <laughs> but whatever one last swallowtail that i just wanted to touch on really quick if people are more people are more familiar with the eastern tiger swallowtail which is a bright yellow really big swallowtail that we have here in kansas and they have black patterning on top so it looks like a tiger because it's got stripes um and where their range overlaps with pipe vine swallowtails the females again only the females can have a dark morph variant where they look like the pipe vine swallowtail because the pipe vine is mildly poisonous and distasteful if you are in a region where there are not pipe vine swallowtails, then the female tiger swallowtails will not have a dark morph. But if you're in an area like the south where there are a lot of pipe vine swallowtails, almost all of the eastern tiger swallowtail females will be the dark morph. So they do change depending oh. on what's going on around them, which is super cool. Okay, I was under the impression the dark morph was just a random variant, but with the overlap with the pipe vine, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because there was, well, there was in my garden, well, it was my mother's garden, but I was helping. I was <laughs> I was weeding. There was an eastern, a dark morph that mm-hmm. came through and laid eggs and they grew and I took lots of photos, which Aww. is, because I love, I love swallowtail caterpillars, which. Yes, they're amazing. Uh, yes, they have, they have a fun thing too that makes them a danger bug. Yes. But. They ate all the dill and everything else, but they are beautiful because that dark morph, it does. It looks a lot like a pipe vine, mm-hmm. less so from the top down, but more from the underwing. Yeah. So. And they kind of look like black swallowtails too. Mm-hmm. And they're really easy to confuse with black swallowtails as well. You have to yeah. look at that patterning very closely, mm-hmm. but it is a pretty good mimic. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this tiger swallowtail babies? The babies are so cute because they have that. They have that um, that aversible gland that's right at the. Is it? It's like right at the back of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, when they get disturbed or when they get if you tickle them, yes. If you all you have to do is actually poke their little tiny their little tiny backside, and they they immediately they rear up or they they kind of do that jerk sideways mm-hmm. and up, and those those glands pop out, and they're they're bright orange, and they start releasing that noxious vapor, <laughs> that repellent vapor that yes. is, um, I think it's aristol aristolic acid. I think is what it is. I'm pretty sure it's aristolic acid. 
it's supposed to be there. Oh, I should actually say what the gland is. The gland is it's it's osmet osmetaria, something like that. Osmetaria. So they're <laughs> they're like the only ones that I can think of, especially in Kansas, that have that. Yeah, and it's a very cool adaptation because it is. It really does. It lingers. Mm-hmm. So I've had multiple people have uh, because I personally find it very distasteful mm-hmm. that smell. It it sits kind of in your nose and it doesn't really go away, <laughs> and it stays on your hands too. Yeah. Like just just trying to handle caterpillars, just to move them, mm-hmm. it it lingers. I've done like three or four scrubs over with soap <laughs> and and scrubbing, and it just it sits. It's like it, and it makes sense if it's an acid. It just kind of eats yeah. into your skin a little bit. Some people don't mind it so much. I personally. I, I agree with the caterpillar. It is a repellent. Mm-hmm. So I try not to poke them very much, but sometimes I can't help it because they're just so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like tickle, tickle your max, they'll mm-hmm. try to headbutt you with this bright orange. It almost looks like an antenna that just like mm-hmm. pops out of their head suddenly. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. yeah. There's there's two of them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's real fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I usually tickle swallowtail but when I see them. <laughs> swallowtail tickler. <laughs> They're, I mean, because, like, it doesn't really hurt them. Like, when you think mm-hmm. of, like, a wasp sting, like, they're wasting venom. Or, like, a snake right. bite, they're wasting venom. But, I mean, I don't think it really mm-hmm. hurts them in any way. It annoys them. It does. But, and I won't do it just for myself. Usually I do it, like, to show somebody. Exactly. So. Or it's it's something you can't help if they're, for instance, I was having to, I think I had to net some plants because we had some wasps that were wanting to use them as a food source. And mm-hmm. I was like, they've worked very hard to get to the stage and be this large, and there's only one left. Please let me nut this plant. So mm-hmm. I had to, I had to move it to a different plant. So that's, yeah. it could not be helped, mm-hmm. but it did make my hand smell for like a day. <laughs> I've never noticed the smell. Like, I know that it's supposed to smell, mm-hmm. but I've never really noticed it. But I usually don't let them touch me with it. I just like tickle their butt. But I think it's, they do. It's almost like a like a vapor like a spray. thing. It's yeah. like a spray vapor thing. Mm. So even even when I'm not close enough to them, yeah. Even if they're doing it anywhere in the mm. vicinity of those, you know, like like six to twelve inches, I still my hands will pick it up. Interesting. So, I've never really noticed yeah. it. Like I've noticed like a slight odor, mm-hmm. but like not noxious. It's, like you're like, well, it's very faint, but yeah. it, it it does. It lingers mm-hmm. is the thing. So you're constantly it's. The same thing as if you had maybe like some scented poop. lotion or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nicole, not like that. It is like snake snake musk is okay. awful. Musk, yes. yes. It would be more it would be more like musk. Not quite like the not quite like Snake like poop's poop. pretty gross, dude. No, that's that's but... just plain gross. Like, <laughs> no, it's but it is. It's like a it's like a musk thing. It it yeah. just it kind of stays with it yeah. I know. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't mean to give you flashbacks. <laughs> it's the it's the only part that they do what they do very, very well. Yes, so they do. I, I appreciate them so much for it, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't know why I appreciate them so much. <laughs> they're, oh, well. they're really cool. They're very well they adapted very cool. to what they do, and mm-hmm. they have they have really cool mimicry and like mm-hmm. yeah. I, and I the had, caterpillars are really brightly colored too. Yeah, I mean, the caterpillars like are gorgeous because they're these bright green and mm-hmm. then they've got these spots on them and they're Stripes. just yeah. yep they're really pretty they really yeah. are and before i started going down this crazy trip with the with the uh swallowtail butterflies i had no idea that the mocker swallowtail even existed i knew about the other one and i was planning on just talking about him and i was like wait this one's way cooler so we're gonna gloss over um the mormon swallowtail but yeah 
Yeah, because I've it's one of those ones where I've heard the name, mm-hmm. but I didn't I didn't realize how how cool of an insect that is. Yeah, yeah, and they have a bunch of common names, but the mocker mocker mm-hmm. is the best name, so that's what I'm using. <laughs> Well, speaking of caterpillars, oh uh, there was, I came across it. I want to talk about because they're just, they're just so cool. Are all of these caterpillars that have, well, they're, they're danger bugs also. <laughs> yeah. They have, they're not venomous, except they are. <laughs> so they don't have a stinging apparatus the same way that hymenopterans do. Mm. They have hairs. Mm. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they have those irritating, ur- irritating. Oh, this is another one Did that you say I say irritating. They are irritating. They're irritating <laughs> hairs that will break off on contact, so mm-hmm. they stay embedded. They can even just break off and be in the air, and then they come in contact. Mm-hmm. And they do contain venom in them because they're hollow. Yep. And they are such an irritant, and they can be very dangerous too. Yeah. So there's several different species of caterpillars. There's even different families that utilize mm-hmm. this, lots of them. And it's funny, too, because most of these caterpillars through their first, because they do multiple large larval stages of growth, mm-hmm. most of the, the first ones, they're just covered in spikes, and they just, it's like, ooh, I don't want to touch that. It looks like, you know, it looks like somebody lost their stitches, and they're all <laughs> just just hanging hanging out on this this black or this this beige or bright orange caterpillar Mm -hmm. i mean they're not attractive and they tend to some of them tend to congregate too which Mm -hmm. makes them even more of a well i'm not going anywhere near that plant but when they get to that last larval like that fifth larval stage they're Mm -hmm. brightly colored and they're Mm -hmm. and they're crazy beautiful the the one that i can think of that everybody else loves too probably at least the internet does for pictures is the (laughs) saddleback yeah the saddleback caterpillar Mm -hmm. And that one's in, um, have I ever actually said that name out loud? No, I am oh, not. It's Lima, Lima, Lima Codidae? Lima, that cannot be a hard C. <laughs> <laughs> that cannot be a hard C. I Lima don't know. Lima Codidae, Lima Codidae, mm, that can't be right. Lima so, Lima Codidae? Really? Hmm. Hmm. All right. So it's in the family Lima Codidae, and those contacts are not just an irritant. They can't, it's more than just a rash. Sometimes you can get nausea with it. You can have very severe reactions. You can get conditions such as like acute urticia, which, which would include migraines Mm -hmm. and almost like asthma complications and very acute gastrointestinal distress. And so you get a large dosage of this, you can have a bad reaction to it. So they yeah. they really use this entirely for defense. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that they want you to avoid. So even if you had example similar one caterpillar that some poor unfortunate bird <laughs> decided to eat it, mm-hmm. it really took one for the team. As long as the bird survived, obviously, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, 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 because your your predator has to learn, mm-hmm. but. That's entirely all that it is for. It is a don't touch me advertisement. Yeah. And like I mentioned, they are brightly colored. The saddleback specifically is a bright, like almost neon green caterpillar with this saddleback. It looks like it has like this square carpet almost that was put down 
draped over its over its little little back. Mm-hmm. They're real cool. <laughs> They're really cool, and it's it's like a kind of like a brownish bright red kind of carpet, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, and they've still got their little little spines, and they. And those hairs are not just over on their body. They actually have spines, too, that yeah. almost like, like, it looks a little bit like coral almost on them because yeah. they're, so they can actually use those as well. Not just those, because those are very pokey looking. You have ones like, um... Woolly bears. Yes, like woolly bears. Ones that are very, very fuzzy. And unfortunately, the fuzzy ones, I don't know if they do better or worse, because I have a feeling with people, people just want to go pet them. They look <laughs> real soft. They look so soft. <laughs> but they have these hairs, and they deliver venom. And it's not soft, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> and and different people can have different reactions to them as well. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know people that, like, they were kayaking down a river in Kansas, and one, like, fell out of a tree because they, like, knocked up against it. And they had a horrible rash, like, all the way down their arm. Mm-hmm. Just because it like rolled down their arm but like i've handled them before and not had any reaction at all so mm-hmm. i yeah. really do think it is individual what mm-hmm. what your body chemistry decides to react to yeah so kind of like kind of like bee venom if mm-hmm. you have an overreaction if your yeah. body decides to overreact to whatever mm-hmm. is in the chemical makeup of that venom yeah yeah and i know with bee venom in particular you like, usually you don't have a bad reaction the first time. The first time your body's like, I have no idea what to do, so I'm just not going to do that much. But then it's like the second time that your body's like, this is awful, and I'm going to freak out. Yes. <laughs> freak out. No, that is exactly what it is. It's the overreaction. Yeah. And I wonder if it's similar at all to for uh, caterpillar venom. <laughs> to caterpillar know. venom. Yeah. So we have venomous caterpillars, which is... <laughs> It's just, that's just cool. Yeah. But I did have, I have one last one, if we have time, I yeah, want to yeah. talk about. Um, because I just found them and I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> it's an aphid. Mm-hmm. And they are native to Europe. Okay. But they've kind of been introduced to multiple other places. And they're an aphid, so they naturalize. They like to feed on... What nominally most of the plants, they end up being produce. So it's the family with broccoli and cabbage. And okay. Yeah. Which makes sense. You have cabbage aphids. You have other aphids. This aphid is a cabbage aphid. Mm-hmm. And it produces an enzyme. Now this enzyme, they produce it in their head and in their thoracic muscles. And then it gets something from what it's eating. It's getting glucosonolates from its food. Now, when those two mix together, they form a chemical reaction. It is a volatile chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. The chemical is uh, allyl isothiocinate, which is mustard oil. They are little walking mustard oil bombs. <laughs> like mustard gas? Yes, like mustard gas. Like these, these things, oh they're just, they're, it's like, it just makes your head explode. So... You know, obviously, what preys on aphids. I mean, everything. Yeah. Well, well, yes, but specifically... Ladybugs. Ladybug larvae that are yeah. going after aphids. This is disastrous because it literally blows up in their face. I mean... Oh, you, my gosh. They get bombed trying to eat the... Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And they're very nondescript aphid. They're like mm-hmm. this kind of like grayish blue color. Hmm. And the, Yeah. So they're... 
they're kind of a little bit different, but so there was a very long paper I read, like all about the chemistry and mm-hmm. what they do. But that's that's just in a nutshell. Because mm-hmm. I could, it would take a long time to describe. But that's what it is. It's a mustard oil bomb. It's like yeah. what? That's really cool. I'm surprised neither of us picked bombardier beetle. The beetle I mean, that shoots cool. acid out of its butt and can like leave scars on you. Like it's a mm-hmm. gnarly acid. It is. It's but really I feel cool. like everybody talks about it too. Yeah. It's so. kind of but I also feel like not that many people know about it. Like That's true. It's a fun one to talk about, but also like if you're not into nerdy podcasts like this, you might not know about them. But you can find that information somewhere mm-hmm. else because I don't know all of the different parts of them. They're oh, really, really cool though, and they, they are, are very dangerous. <laughs> so they are very cool. They, well, I mean, and then blister beetles. I love meloids. Mm-hmm. Melodate, that's like another one of my favorites. I love blister beetles. They yeah. are just so cool because they do that reflexive bleeding from their joints. Mm-hmm. Of it's, it's a uh, chemical that they, uh, it's an irritant. Uh, it's a, it's, it is it's a blistering agent, which is why yeah. they're called blister beetles. But it circles in the hebal lymph, mm-hmm. so they always have it there. It's just whenever they get disturbed enough that they have that reflexive bleeding. So they do it from, like, their joints and their abdomen, and then you get that on your skin, and it blisters. If you, like, squished one, how bad would that be? Bad. (laughs) So bad. And don't do it. They're so cool. I love them. I do love them. Mm -hmm. I love them very much. But on the other hand, I don't know how I feel about – because there's so many multiple insect interactions of Mm -hmm. insects – eating others or parasitizing them as a food source and there's meloid species there's blister beetles that parasitize some of the ground nesting bees Mm -hmm. so it's a circle of life but because i love them all i always feel so bad (laughs) yeah i want them all to succeed Mm -hmm. yeah nature is cruel but Mm -hmm. really really cool (laughs) but but balanced yes yes well awesome do you have anything else that you Want to add to any of your critters that you talked about? I think I covered all mine. I think well. I, I think I covered mine and then some. So <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so I I feel like I we could do we could talk about these all day. We could talk oh, about we could yeah. go back and talk about tarantula hawks some more if we really wanted to, and the fact that they have three color morphs, mm-hmm. which is also crazy fun because they're all geographically like the color morphs don't overlap, so mm-hmm. it's not like foxes where they could randomly have whatever the expression is Mm -hmm. depending upon no 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 no. it's just it's like a geographic isolation of those color morphs so they're all almost a subspecies but not technically yeah they might actually technically be subspecies if they were herps they would be subspecies those guys love splitting stuff hey there's a lumpers versus splitters episode (gasps) too it all ties together it does which you should definitely (laughs) listen to that one too if you it's really good it's It's really really good good one I had a wonderful time with you, Nicole. This was this was so much fun to do. Oh yeah. Anytime we get to talk about bugs is a good time. So mm-hmm. best time is bug time. <laughs> yes, yes. We were talking about as we were planning this episode a little bit that, you know, we're both really excited for summer. And it's not because of the pool or like getting a nice tan. It's because all the bugs will be back. It's a good time. Bugs for the win. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We're, we're excited for summer because excited for bucks yes <laughs> and you should be too <laughs> yes as always check out our show notes on gpnc.org slash that's hyphen my hyphen favorite thanks to our producers the great plains nature center and if you enjoy this podcast please leave us a review it really helps us out a lot we'll be back soon with more favorites because everything's our favorite